Okay, so hello and welcome to our fourth episode um, of our Be Together Life in Care podcast at Barclay. Um, I'm Leah, I'm the Chief HR Officer for Barclay Care. Um, Barclay's part of the Clarion community. And in this episode, we're going to be exploring sustainability and how this links with our purpose. So sustainability is something that's exceedingly important for every single person, um, as well as every single company, not least because of the the different uh, sustainable actions and the impact these have upon our local communities, upon our societies and, and the planet as a whole. So as we sit here today in the UK, and I know um, with our colleagues in Europe as well, we have one of the hottest Septembers on record. Um, so this is really timely, um, being aware of the impact of our actions on our environment and our, our climate is really crucial. And ultimately, we know becoming more sustainable will enable all of us to create a better environment in which we can live well and thrive whilst also conserving these really important resources and our planet for, for our future generations to come. So with all of this in mind, um, to discuss this really important topic, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by um, two of my colleagues from Clarion, the Clarion Central team. So we have Marion Cardon, who is our Chief Brand and Engagement Officer, and we're also joined by Olivier Robin, who is our Group CSR Vice President. So Marion and Olivier, welcome. Thank you very Hello. much for joining us. Um, Hello, Hello. It would be great if you could just introduce yourselves um, for us a little bit about yourselves and your role. Um, Marion, let's let's start with you. Hello, Leah. Thank you so much for inviting us. Uh, I joined the company two years and a half ago, and so I'm in charge of brand and engagement. Basically, uh, I see our group as in charge of defining the, the DNA of the company. Uh, and make sure that everyone is aware and is driven is driven every day by this value, this mission. And so it's emphasized in our brands. It's emphasized in our engagement every day. So the CSR strategy. Brilliant. Very important job. Very important role. Thank you, Marion. And Olivier. Yes, hello. Uh, nice to meet you all. I'm really glad to uh, to uh, be invited to that podcast. So um, I joined actually the group quite uh, uh, recently because I arrived six months ago. Uh, I've worked um, roughly 18 years actually, uh, not in the healthcare sector, but in the tourism and leisure industry and hospitality. So there are some links between hospitality and the health sector, so I'm not completely lost. <laughs> and I've been working since uh, 10 years on sustainability and uh, and uh, corporate social responsibility, which we will probably talk about. And so uh, very glad to, to join Clarion at this very important moment as we just became a purpose-driven company and we have so much uh, challenges and uh, interesting uh, uh, achievements to do. Brilliant. Yeah, so we've got some amazing experience between the both of you. We're very lucky to have you today. Um, and Olivia, what you just said around, you know, we've just recently moved to being a purpose-led company, that's a really great place for us to kind of start to help frame 
what we talk about um, with sustainability. Um, Marion, in your role, can you explain to our listeners, you know, what is a purpose-driven company? What what does it really mean? Yes, definitely. Uh, it's uh, a status that exists in the France, in the French law. Uh, it's a specific law that created it in 2019. And basically, a purpose-led company has two things. It has a purpose, and it has also social, societal, and environmental objectives that are written in its bylaws. And this has to be voted by a general assembly. And we were voted purpose-led company last June. Uh, so we officially became a purpose-led company. In France, there are around 1,200 companies. But actually, only 14 companies had more than 5,000 employees. And Clarion is the biggest company to have adopted this system in the care sector. What is important is that aside from having, having the, the mission, so both the purpose and the objectives in the bylaws, we have a mission company that is a separate body that will be in charge of making sure that we are aligned with our mission in everything that we do. And an independent third party is in charge of verifying every two years the achievement of the objectives. So it's something that it's not, uh, it's a very official commitment and we are totally um, checked uh, every year uh, on making sure that we are achieving this mission. So it's not uh, a communication thing. It's something that is fully embedded in our DNA and that should drive all our actions every day. That's really important, isn't it? When you hear the word purpose-driven company, it would be very easy just to see it as just a name. And I think what you've just explained really, really beautifully is actually it's part of absolutely everything we do, including our legal structure. And as a consequence of that, it's not just us saying it, we have to evidence that that we are saying it and we're doing what we say we're going to do as well. So we've got these structures and these processes and this governance set up to, to make sure that, that we are sticking to our commitments um, and achieving what we need to. Brilliant. And so how does what we do as a purpose-led company link to our values, which is obviously something that our first podcast was about values. It's something that we know is um, really integral to everything we do. How do the two link? And what is important is that I took you through how we came out with the purpose. Actually, we took six months to go and see all our stakeholders, uh, definitely employees, definitely care seekers, residents, patients, families. Uh, we also went to the local communities and also to investors, and we asked them uh, about our values, so the trust initiative, responsibility, and we asked them what should be our purpose. And so the purpose that we have now was discussed and, and totally uh, aligned with the values. And I'm going to take a few minutes to, to go through the purpose. So it's take care, 
of each person's humanity in times of vulnerability. So first of all, take care should be like the, the verb that uh, should drive every actions every day. We are in the care business. We care and we take care. It's the very essence of our profession. Even when you are in the headquarters, just like myself, taking care uh, of everyone and everything that is around me um, should be in my mind every time. Then we have the each person's humanity. We work with vulnerable people on a daily basis. And it's our mission to enable them to continue to feel that they exist as people. So this is why we are talking about person's humanity. We are not talking about humanity with a big H because uh, it's too huge. But it's really about when I'm having someone in front of me, I should be in charge of his humanity. Even when certain things are not longer possible for them, or when they may feel that they no longer belong. And you know what? In doing so, we also take care of our own humanity. So we are talking about the humanity of the caregivers also in our purpose. And it's the very essence of a human being. And then we have in times of vulnerability, which means that we hear when we are needed. And this may be for a few moments, for a few days, or for a longer period. It could be patients for a simple consultations, or residents uh, who may end their life in our residence. But it also means that we also take care of our caregivers who also experience times of vulnerability alongside their loved ones. So this purpose has been fought for all our stakeholders. And we try to make it very ambitious, very linked to our identity, to our DNA of what we do every day. But we make sure also that it could be understood by everyone. Brilliant. It's, um, it's certainly a very impactful um, purpose statement. And I love the how you've explained explained humanity with a it's not with a capital h i think it makes it personal to to absolutely everybody whether you're a resident whether you're an employee a relative um, or even somebody living in one of our local communities brilliant and just um finally on on our purpose so we have our, our five commitments um, and within those five commitments we then have our, our 10 initiatives would you mind just taking us briefly through what are our commitments and what are our initiatives um, to enable us to move to this purpose-led company? Yes, so we have the five commitments and these ones are the ones written in the bylaws. So these ones are part of our mission. They will not change. The initiatives, however, may change because it's a way to make sure that we are delivering the commitments. But this is just uh, as a bit of context. In terms of commitments, uh, there are five of them uh, and, and we synthesize them with keywords, but actually there is a sentence behind each of them. And we put these commitments as uh, being written in a way that they are encapsulating all stakeholders. So the first one is consideration. 
It's showing respect and consideration to every individual for whom we care and their loved ones, as well as every one of our employees and stakeholders, while also fighting all forms of discrimination. This one was very important. Uh, it was the one that came out from all the discussion that we had. This word, consideration, was totally linked with the trust value, definitely. Uh, and with the essence, the, the real essence of what we do every day. And there are four initiatives. Uh, the first one being about positive care, uh, making sure that we are deploying positive care in all our facilities. Then there is another initiative about advice and guidance for people in situations of vulnerability. Uh, this for the families uh, or care seekers that may have questions. And this is not a commercial services, it's uh, an advice, a free advice, because we are experts and we can help people during these uh, moments. Then there is something about solidarity and social support for employees. They may leave times of vulnerability. We have to be there for them. There is also health prevention and promotion for employees. That is about how can we make sure that as uh, a care co company, as we take care, we also take care of our employees. So, so this is about consideration. These four initiatives, when we have delivered them, we may want to go further at some others. But for the time being, these are the four initiatives for the consideration. Then the other commitment is fairness. Develop a fair and sustainable business operating model that benefits our patients, residents, and their families, our employees, and our stakeholders for all our business lines and investment decisions. And there are two initiatives behind it. Training and career development. How can we make sure that we are offering a fair uh, and, and fair development for our employees, and there is something about value sharing. How can we make sure that everything that we do, we share the value in a more fair way? Then we have innovation, encourage and enhance innovation to help better prevent illnesses, increase the effectiveness of treatments, and enhance the quality of life and satisfaction of patients, residents, families, employees, and other stakeholders. So this is more linked to the initiative uh, value. So we have medical research and health innovation projects. And we have also some technical technological innovations. So two initiatives. Then we have locality. Uh, we are part of a local communities. So how can we harness our geographic footprint and diverse network of facilities to improve access to care build the resilient local ecosystem and contribute to economic momentum in the region in which we operate. And the first initiative is about local and inclusive purchasing. How can we make sure that the purchases that we are doing are enabling our local communities to be, uh, to be better? And finally, the one that we will focus more uh, today, that is sustainability. How can we protect our community's life environments through the adaptation of our processes and behaviors to fight climate change and preserve biodiversity? And the initiative that will be a part of the mission today is energy and carbon footprints. 
And just to finalize on these commitments and initiatives, uh, these are the ones that we are committing ourselves to and that we are reporting towards the mission committee. But definitely what we are seeing is that in some countries, uh, you have great initiatives that you want to do that are totally linked with the mission. And please continue to do, do so. Uh, it's important that you uh, embody those uh, commitments and that you make sure that you are doing everything that you do to fulfill these commitments. Yeah, it's so it's so important, is it, Marion? And um, wow, what an exciting time to be part of Clarion to to hear um, everything that that we're doing around our purpose, our commitments, our initiatives. And I think your your point is a really important one. Actually, there there is a lot we are already doing that that links in beautifully to our commitments. Um, we know that there's some some new things that we'll be implementing to further embody them, but equally that's not to say that we all have the answers. And I think it's really important that all of our team members, whoever they are, wherever they are, um, feel empowered to think about our commitments and our purpose and ensure that we're continually connecting those, those dots together. We're really brilliant. Thank you very much. So you led beautifully then in um, on our last um, commitment around sustainability. Um, so just to bring you in, um, Olivier, here, one of the um, uh, questions and some of the feedback that, that we have had is there is sometimes a little bit of confusion around what is sustainability? We hear the word CSR, corporate social responsibility, and we also hear the word ESG. What do each of these things mean and, and how do they link to one another? Help us understand this a little better. Well, uh, like, you know, uh, although it's a recent concept, let's say, like any science, you know, it's been developing and with new names, new concepts, new acronyms. So I totally understand that it's to some extent uh, difficult indeed to uh, to understand exactly. But if we... um. I would say it, sh it should start by the actually the concept of sustainable development because this is where it all starts, which is the first, uh, this expression, sustainable development, appeared for the first time uh, in 1987 in a report, which is called Brundtland Report, from the United Nations. And basically, this is where in this report was first defined uh, to the concept of sustainable development, which is basically a development that meets the needs of the present generations without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And uh, this all starts with this sustainable development. And then actually, corporate social responsibility, which is what CSR means, is to make it simple, just the implementation of sustainable development principle within companies. So it's how a company uh, will actually integrate alongside its economic objectives, which remain very important because it's what allow a company to invest, to pay its employees and to continue to, uh, to grow. But alongside its economic objectives, it should integrate social and environmental concerns 
in a balanced way so that it makes sure at all times that it positively impacts anyone that is related to its activity, whether it's directly your, your patients, your residents, your employees, or indirectly, maybe the employees of your suppliers, maybe the, your, uh, uh, the neighboring communities, and, and, and anyone that is uh, e within, I would say, your ecosystem. So that's, so CSR is just the implementation of sustainable development within a company. Now you've heard ESG, and it's actually, let's say, the third part of the story, if you take it from a, let's say, historical standpoint. Now that sustainable development became important, companies started to integrate it. But then the problem was, okay, great, companies start to make effort, but companies need money. And who gives money to the companies? Investors. And the problem is that investors were still evaluating companies just based on financial criteria only return on investment, profit. So some people started to work on this and say, we need other criteria, criteria that will actually uh, be used by investors to also uh, give a good opinion on companies who make an effort on sustainable development and on, on the, the action that are not only financial, but that are about environmental actions, social actions, and also, the way they, 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 they have a governance that is ethical and, and tries to, to, to do the good. And e, these ESG uh, areas became the ESG criteria that the investors are now integrating to not only assess the financial performance, but also the performance in terms of sustainable development. So ESG comes from the investing world. Uh, and, and now you put all this in a pot and depending on the company on on their culture uh, sometimes it's a bit mixed so sometimes people will say i have my esg strategy where it should be a csr strategy uh, or they will say a sustainable development strategy so it's a bit mixed and i understand that uh, it can be difficult and and then you could tell me well then what about sustainability <laughs> and uh, and actually sustainability uh, is today, we see it um, uh, more and more, it's very close to sustainable development and sustainability is like the, the long-term goal to live uh, on within the limits of our planet. Uh, it's a concept that you've probably hear uh, over the past year, the planet boundaries, because it came actually from a study of the WWF, which showed that the, you know, the average human uh, would actually need more than than one planet, actually up to three, and if you're uh, living in the U.S., up to five uh, planets, resources to live as we are living today. And so this this whole concept of planet boundaries is very uh, very much. Um, uh, uh actual and sustainability is linked to, to to this goal now because it's linked to the planet boundaries it's true that it's uh, very linked to the environmental objectives and within our five commitments what's under the sustainability commitment is very much linked to our actions related to the environment whether it's uh, our carbon footprint 
or biodiversity or uh, also the the materials and and natural resources wow it's so important isn't it and um thank you for for breaking that down i think that was that's really useful and actually there's some some things that you've said that i wasn't aware of i think um the, the it just really embeds this need for each of us as individuals as teams as homes as countries as a as a as a united um planet really um it's within our power, it's within our gifts, but we all have to have to take that individual responsibility, don't we? Um, and really interesting um, what you said around the the um, USA and how ultimately we're using um, a lot more more resources than than our planet boundaries, which is quite sobering, I think, um, mm-hmm. and really really shines a spotlight on this topic. So thinking about that, then um, this week is our sustainability week. Um, and what do you think um, are some of our biggest issues uh, facing us when it comes to sustainability? So, Olivia, I'm going to come to you on this one. Um, well, I think well, there are two, two things about that. The One is that I would say why it's important to, to each one of us. Uh, uh, and... Uh, you know, when in different workshops that that we can do around this topic, uh, each time you ask people about what makes them happy, uh, it's either related to their to their relationship with their beloved ones, or to or to some extent to nature and uh, things that they've 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 found beautiful or a place in nature where they've been and they felt relieved. And so uh, the thing is that throughout the past 70 years, we've developed at an incredible speed with great achievements, great progress. And but we completely lost sight of of and we uh, of that importance. And we reach a point where we are now deteriorating what's the most important to us all uh, and which hasn't changed it's still nature and the relationship with our beloved ones so to me the first important thing about sustainability uh, even for a company because a company is just a group of person that unite to do a, a purpose a mission so each one of us has I think first shares this this uh, feeling, maybe for some even more than others, but I think that today we are all clear on this one, and that we 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 reached a point that we cannot, you know, stand anymore. And the only and the second important thing related to sustainability, and for me, this love of nature, which is an important lever, I think, to set us into action, is that we are in the health sector. And lots of the things we do depend on nature or come from nature. Uh, a large majority of the medicine that we use, they are built on natural uh, components. Uh, the people we take care of, they need medicines, they need water, they need food. And and, and all this is related to this the protection of, of, of the, the planet. So to me, that's why the sustainability um, pillar within our five commitments is really critical and and we know that today we see that the, the impact of climate change 
are impacting the health of everybody and and particularly of the humankind because it's always good to remind that we are the most fragile species on earth uh, the human babies are the only babies that need 20 years to get adults uh, and uh, then the, then they will live between 20 and 60 years old. And actually, we can see today that the life expectancy in good health is stagnate or even in some country like the US is decreasing. And then when after 60 or 70 years old, now we grow older, but with uh, different disease. So, so that's really a critical challenge of uh, for our company, but also at the heart of our activity. That's what I, I wanted to stress first. And so I think the the now the big challenge that we have to solve is uh, the is related to the complexity and the magnitudes of uh, the issues that we have in front of us, which is. I would say, I would name it climate change and biodiversity. They are very complex. And, and it's not a, you know, a, a binary action, meaning that we, we, turn it, we turn it off, we change our action and everything stops because there is an inertia. And I think that's the, 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 the hardest for us is really this temporality because we will, you start to do things, but because they're an inertia, you do not necessarily see the the consequence, the good consequences of your action. And so you may feel uh, depressed and say, well, it's not necessary to, to do things on my, at my level because nothing changes. And so we need to understand this complexity while still being motivated uh, to do actions. And the second challenge, I would say, is related to um, to reorganizing ourselves, to redefining uh, actually our our you know our values also, and the way we think about uh, growth, technology, uh, and consumption. And uh, and uh, because the risk is that uh, we will we can get rapidly disorganized and, and lead to social unrest actually that's uh, we can see that as soon as there is a as we saw this summer a forest fires in hawaii in greece uh, a sudden water stress and and we know that and we we lived it when at the beginning of the covid suddenly it can get very tense and actually create social unrest and people become crazy because they are stressed so to me, that's really what's the the what are the challenges behind the sustainability uh, uh, action? Mm, gosh, so interesting and and so topical because you know we we a we're living through it, aren't we? Um, we see it every day. We hear it in the news. Um, but that point around um, just because you don't see the immediate. Um, impact of your actions doesn't mean that actually your your actions aren't important because if everybody thinks that way then nothing ever changes um, so you need to understand that the actions that you take today they may take some time to to show but they are important and and they will have an impact a positive impact two really important points there I've, I've certainly picked up 
And just to pick up on, um, so you're kind of two points around uh, climate change and biodiversity. At Clarion, thinking about our initiatives, what are some of the things that as a company, as a country, as teams, we are doing to address some of the challenges you've talked about in those two areas in particular? So at Clarion, there is um, on the climate change. So as you know, climate change is related to the carbon footprint that you have. So it may not necessarily mean something for our listener, but basically, when we use transportation, when we eat uh, food uh, or we do agriculture, when we, uh, you know, uh, build things, we will, we are today using large part of, of all countries are still using fossil fuels energy. When you burn these fossil fuels, this creates carbon uh, emissions, greenhouse gas emission, and this traps the heat around the earth, which is responsible of the climate change. And so the, the energy that we consume, both in terms of amount, the quantity of energy, but also the quantity of fossil fuels that we consume is a huge lever to decrease or to slow down the climate change. And so this is why our current main priority is really around all our energy uh, footprint, both in quantity, but also in types of energy that we use. And this is uh, what we call the Energy Sprint project, where uh, through, and it was, it's really a massive project led by uh, Marcella Santini uh, at, at the group level, we in coordination with all the countries, where we will activate, so they have done a huge diagnosis to identify country by country and even facility by facility, what are the actions that we can implement to reduce our consumption? So maybe we, uh, so this is behavior, so it starts with the behaviors and actually in one month, uh, there will be a, a new e-learning on eco-gesture that will be released throughout the, the company. This is also linked to changing equipments. So for, for example, changing a gas uh, boiler to a heat pump uh, and also to uh, changing our energy sourcing so that we can, we are purchasing uh, more renewable energies or even on some of our, of our sites, when it's possible, we are um, installing some uh, solar panels. So this energy sprint uh, project is really important and uh, our current priority and will, you know, roll out over uh, uh, many years. Now, the second thing is that this is on the energy. And although it's very important, this is 25% of our carbon footprint. So what are the other 75%? It's related to uh, all the rest of our activity, uh, we call it scope three, which is a magic term, but which means that it's all the emissions that are related to, for example, the purchases that we do. We are the one ordering this or that product. So indirectly, we are responsible to that product being made, maybe in China, where they still use a lot of coal factories, 
uh, and then that needs to be transported to our sites. And so all these are what we put in scope three. And so we will start, uh, we actually are starting now to work on 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 decreasing also these uh, the emission from this part of our activity. And this relates to an engagement that we took uh, this year where we joined an initiative which is called Science-Based Target Initiative. So again, quite complex. But the idea is that uh, over the past years, lots of companies uh, said, OK, I will reduce my I will reduce my carbon footprint. But of course, this was a lot of communication and actually reducing it is not enough. The important is that you reduce it at the pace necessary. I mean, fast enough so that really we uh, we slow down climate change, because if you reduce it, but not enough, then climate change will continue and will accelerate. And the reference for this is the Paris Agreement, where uh, there is an effort to be made, which is roughly decreasing 5% each year from now on uh, your carbon emissions uh, so that we limit the increase of the global warming to what than five degrees compared to the industrial era. So we joined this initiative. This is a big commitment for client. Uh, this is a big objectives, and this is in that uh, uh, in that uh, context that we are implementing all these initiatives. Brilliant. So it's so important, but um, we've got some real work ahead of us, haven't we? To to meet this objective and, and really challenge ourselves, I think, um, at a group level, at a country level, at a team level um, around what we can do. And I guess that brings me really to my, my last question, which I'm going to ask you both. Um, we, we have this really clear vision. We have our clear commitments. We have some very clear initiatives that we have in place in order to, to be more sustainable and to have a positive impact upon our environments, upon our planet. Sometimes that can feel very large um, and kind of uh, outside of the individual because of how big the challenge is. But actually going back to your uh, point earlier on, um, Olivier, around individual actions, um, I think this is really, really key. So given it is Sustainability Week, um, what are would your three top tips be for our team members listening from an individual basis so things that they can do individually to be more sustainable um so marion i'm going to ask you to to give us your three top tips first actually one first tip uh, is to have your own uh, uh bilan uh, to, to assess what is your level of carbon emission every year. So there are websites where you go and you can calculate your impact and you can see if it's either transport, if it's food, if it's whatever. So this is the first thing to have an assessment. The second thing is raising your awareness. There are very nice websites, podcasts, movies that can help you understand better the issues and i think that the csr team will provide with some uh, links useful links to give you an idea and then 
the third tip is really about deciding what you are agreeing to change. And this is not about being guilty. It's more about to assess what is important for me and what I am able to commit myself to. And these are very small test steps. And you can say, for example, that uh, next year you won't go abroad. You will visit beautiful UK, for example. You can decide that in terms of coffee, you are using a more sustainable coffee. That uh, in your products to clean your house, you are using more ecological ones. There are a lot of small things that you can decide to agree on. And then when you are commit, when you are uh, doing it, then you can decide to have other things. But two important things to remind: uh, you should not feel guilty. You should just commit on something you are able to commit yourself to. And the second thing is that uh, it's transformational. When you begin, you realize that there are a lot of things that you can do. And, and I have to add just one small thing too. Uh, it's everything that you're doing personally. But what is important is that Clarion is committing ourselves. And with Clarion, as part of Clarion, you can also have a big impact. Really, really important. And yeah, just to, to um, pick up on, on your point then, Marion, we will make sure that we pop some websites and some links to some um, uh, resources you mentioned um, when we when we uh, launch our podcast as well. Brilliant tips. Thank you. And Olivier, over to you. What are your three top tips? <laughs> well, I think as in, well, first they are quite close to Marion, although we did not, uh, you know, uh, align ourselves. But uh, as an introduction, I'd just say that we know it's a very, uh, it can be a very anxious topic. And uh, and you may have heard about eco-anxiety, which is growing in, in all countries. And uh, to me, first, I, I like to say that we should remain positive and that actually from even a personal but also a professional standpoint, it is it's just, although it's big, but it's just a new challenge. And to me, the way the positive way to see it is it's it's it challenges us to be even smarter, to think in new ways of doing things. But guess what? Humanity has done this since the, the beginning of its uh, history on Earth. It has improved through so that's definitely something that we can do. So it's just in terms of mindset. Now, my three tips are very close to, to Marion. The first one was to read and inform yourself because you need to understand before acting. Nobody acts in a, I mean, in a durable way if he doesn't understand uh, what's happening, what it means. And reading, um, seeing movies, hearing podcasts, will not only inform you in your heads, but it will inform you in your heart. You will react to things, you will feel emotional about things, and emotions, in emotion there is motion, and this is what sets you in motion. So if it's, and this, it's by reading, listening, that you set yourself in motion. Now, the second thing related to eco-anxiety is do not be alone. Join groups. Uh, groups of action, maybe try to, to do some volunteering work, but because we know you maybe you will be the only one in your family aware of this. Then 
you know what, you will join group outside of your family because from the time being, they will help you. And maybe someday your other members of your family will be ready and then you will all do this part of the work together. So joining groups helps you feel not alone with this and also having new ideas and continuing the effort. And the third one is really related to what Marion said is don't try to start uh, to do thing, big things. Nobody does this this way. You start start with small steps that will naturally lead you to medium steps and large steps. And if I take an example, um, a personal example, <laughs> we know that food is a big uh, imp has a big impact on the carbon footprint. And you know, in France, we love meat. I think in the UK too. <laughs> and, <We do. laughs> and so we had this whole debate in my family. Okay, uh, no, we don't want to be vegan because, of course, as I said, it, it rapidly becomes a binary debate. No meat, no meat. But there are actually lots of intermediate steps. And one of the steps, and if you have kids, the big debate is, but meat is necessary for the development of the kids. So one of the things we said in our family was, okay, you know what? They have meat when they go uh, at lunch for school. So a first uh, trial would be that from, sun, uh, from Sunday to Thursday, it's of that's five evenings uh, for dinner, we eat vegetarian. That was sort of our compromise as a family. That's what we did in, uh, two years ago. And guess what? It works. Uh, and and actually, when you start to eat vegetarian on five dinners, well, then when you want to eat meat, progressively, you see that you, you choose less red meat, maybe white meat, which has 10 times lower uh, carbon footprint. Huh? Uh, chicken is 10 times lower carbon footprint than beef. Just uh, just a small hint. Uh, so and that's the way. Uh, and then when you go to the restaurant, Although maybe it's on the weekend, so theoretically you are allowed on our, on our deal to take uh, red meat, but actually sometimes you will uh, select uh, you know, a vegetarian meal because your body gets used to it. And, uh, and so it's all about uh, uh, you know, this small step that naturally will prepare you to be uh, able to do uh, medium steps. Brilliant tips interesting uh, conversation around the meat there uh, Olivier we've done something similar in our family so uh, we have a commitment to have vegetarian meals uh, three nights a week um, which uh, actually we really enjoy and it's made us um, be a little bit more creative um, around uh, trying to find vegetarian meals that we really like especially because my husband's very fussy <laughs> but uh, we're getting but there we've got some good ones yeah I, I definitely absolutely right because, for example, France does doesn't have any recipe for vegetarian people, oh, so it let us discover other recipes from Lebanon because my wife is Lebanese, from Japan, from and so it's indeed a, a good way also to to travel uh, <laughs> and discover other recipes. Brilliant. Brilliant. So I think um, just on those top tips, the kind of um, main messages I've heard is a lot of it comes down to mindset and being positive and, and not overthinking, not not um, becoming anxious about these things, but be positive. Um, I think there's something around think before you act. So um, just be conscious of the decisions you're making and challenge yourself 
um, and and challenge your your families and and those that that you love um, around you know is there a more sustainable option perhaps um, and then I think that this message around actually um, reading educating yourself informing yourself understanding where you are in terms of your own actions and the small steps that that we can do that all add up to big things um, is is really really important there. So I have learned a lot today. Thank you both so, so much. Um, really enjoyed this conversation. I hope our listeners have too. Um, to end, I would just say um, I would encourage all of our listeners to really think um, on what we've been discussing today, to challenge themselves, to challenge each other, to challenge us as, as a company, um, to take action so we can be more sustainable because, you know, together we can make such a such an impact and such a difference. So Olivier, Marion, thank you once again. Thank you to our listeners and we will see you on our next podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Leah.